I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Foreign exchange traders tracking sterling could have been forgiven for a strong sense of deja vu on Wednesday morning. The pound fell sharply during Asian trade when YouGov research into the UK's general election said that the Conservative government could even lose its overall majority. It was the worst reading of any poll-style study of the campaign, and although sterling fought back and paired its losses as the trading day developed, the volatility echoed a pattern seen as recently as the previous Friday. I'm Michael Hunter, and this is the FT's Hard Currency Podcast, our weekly tour of the world's most liquid market. And joining me to take the temperature of the pound ahead of the final week of the UK election campaign is Derek Halpenny, European Head of Global Markets Research at MUFG. Derek, thank you very much for coming in. So after Sterling's stride to $1.30 after Theresa May called the snap election, when a landslide seemed likely, the pound's fortunes have tracked the Prime Minister's poll ratings lower to around one twenty-eight. I mean, Derek, is it really as simple as that? Is that what's going on with sterling in, in totality at the moment? Well, certainly the, the, the poll that you mentioned actually is, you know, it, it was a shock because we've had the vast majority of polls all indicating a, a strong majority for uh, for the government. So uh, one that kind of sprung up showing a hung parliament has certainly uh, raised eyebrows and got a lot of attention in the markets. And I think when you look at where sterling has come to, the, the risk-reward balance has, of course, changed. And positioning in particular, where we had very substantial, large, short sterling speculative positions, nearly all of those positions have been unwound in the move up from 124 to 130. So the speculative market is now much, much more balanced. The short spec position is actually the smallest since the Brexit referendum nearly a year ago. So in that sense, when you get a negative development like this that creates uncertainty in relation to the aftermath of the election, um, it, it is bound to put some additional pressure on the pound to the downside. So it, it is as as much as you can say it's about the polls, obviously, although there is a, an element of scepticism in terms of the accuracy of polls. Quite. I mean, what, what's your feeling around that valuation between one? 28, 130 on cable on the pound against the dollar. Is that something that you think is received wisdom doing its job? The markets receive wisdom getting it right? Or you say there's been movement in these short positions. Is that a sign that there may be further volatility ahead depending on outcomes? What's your sense of all of that at the moment as we finish with the campaign finally? Well, if you you look at the the history of pound versus the dollar since Brexit, essentially we dropped below the the 130 level uh, when Theresa May gave her speech in the 2nd of October last year and the perception of the markets was that it was a hard Brexit speech and there was fears about hard Brexit. And essentially for a lot of the period since we've been in a 120, 125 range. Now since the snap election and since uh, an element of uncertainty in regard to how hard Brexit might be, we've gone into this kind of 125 to 130 range. Uh, and I think 
going forward from here in the aftermath of the election and going into the negotiations, if those go reasonably well, then I think we could go into a new range, 130 to 135. So so perhaps 125 to 130 is an element of neutrality. 125 down to 120 is perceived hard Brexit. And 130 to 135, in my view, would be where we could potentially go. And that would be on uh, evidence, perhaps during the early negotiating period, where the feeling is that perhaps negotiations are going reasonably well. So we're going to be following an awful lot more politics when we're looking at the pound, aren't we? Yeah, like the, the the background is also quite favourable, and it's one of the reasons why we have a bullish pound story. Like the Bank of England's view was met with scepticism in terms of the quarterly inflation report um, earlier in May, uh, but ultimately it's down to the fact that the Bank of England is assuming a favourable transition period. Um, the markets, as I said, didn't really buy into that. But the background in terms of the fundamental story is still reasonably good. OK, the data has been a bit mixed, but generally speaking, 2% growth or around 2% growth is much, much better than where most people would have thought the UK economy would be today in the immediate aftermath of the referendum result. And we saw some strong economic data, not least from consumer spending and consumer confidence this week. Um, how far do you expect those indicators to re-emerge during the negotiations? Is there likely to be a point when we can move back towards those fundamental economic thoughts rather than the political situation? Well, yeah, I think if the early stages of negotiations go, again, as I said, kind of reasonably well, um, then I think the markets are going to rewind back to the Bank of England's quarterly inflation report and go, well, actually, hang on, maybe the Bank of England are going to be correct. And if you then look into the details and then you look at what's priced in the UK yield curve at the moment, it is underpriced, as the Bank of England have been telling the markets. For example, the the future strip in three-month short sterling has about 17, 17 basis points of tightening in 2018. That, to me, could change quite quickly if the early stages of negotiations go reasonably well. And given the fundamentals that we've mentioned, potentially more tightening needs to be priced in by, by, by the markets. Okay. So still plenty to watch on both fronts there with the pound against the dollar, not least, of course, the pound against the euro. The euro's enjoying its moment in the sun, in the early summer sun. There's something of a darling of the currency markets at the moment. It's up about 3% against the pound, 3% stronger against the pound since the April 18th calling of of the snap election. But there's some political turbulence looming over the eurozone as well, isn't there? Not least the German elections in September. We've heard talk this week which caused a bit of a flurry of excitement at the beginning of the week of perhaps early elections in Italy, although that's at this stage just speculation, albeit from former Prime Minister Matteo Renzi. What are you thinking about political risk over the euro after it's run higher? First of all, Germany, I, I, I don't think, is going to become a, a big issue for the markets. Angela Merkel looks like she's she, she's going to win. Uh, Martin Schulz did have a bounce in the polls when he announced he, he was back in domestic politics, but that's faded quite quickly. So uh, I don't expect anything surprising um, in relation to risk premium being priced into the markets and related to Germany. Italy, of course, is very different. Um, and definitely there in terms of the populism that Europe appears to have given the cold shoulder to after what happened in 2016, uh, could definitely come back. And, and Five Star Movement in polling is certainly looking like it could be the largest single party after the general election takes place. The, the, the plus, perhaps, for the markets and for the euro is this 
PR system, which hasn't fully been agreed and ironed out, and we need that to happen before a general election is announced. But even if Five Star Movement did become the largest single party, it's very, very unlikely that they would be able to govern. And therefore, although I do expect political risk premium to be built in in relation to an Italian general election, I'm not convinced it's going to become the big issue that potentially, obviously, France would have if if Marine Le Pen had, had become president there. But still, a lot more politics over the European end of the currencies market at the moment, everywhere you look, really. Um, is this something we're going to have to remain accustomed to, do you think? Um, yes, I, I do. And, you know, we have a reasonably positive forecast for the euro at the moment. We're expecting 115 at the end of this year. Uh, it's currently around 112, isn't it? That's right. So we have a, a cyclical upswing in place. We think the ECB next week will change its communications in regard to forward guidance. Um, but when you look beyond this year, you know, it's very difficult to become a long-term bull for the euro, given the the, the fundamental structural problems that exist in Europe. Uh, and going back to Italy, you know, if you look at the, the Italian GDP and you rebase it to uh, pre-crisis, pre-great financial crisis levels, the Italian economy is actually 7% smaller than before the great financial crisis. The US economy is 12% larger. The UK economy is 8% larger. So there is this fundamental underperformance in Italy and the structural impediments in relation to competitiveness, uh, the, the banking sector, uh, all of that has undermined growth uh, and whether or not that comes to the fore in, in terms of how the general election plays out, longer term, there are still issues that need to be addressed. And therefore, political uncertainty is likely to come back and be an issue going forward. As ever, we'll have plenty to watch. I can't let you go without one final question. Um, on election night itself, Thursday night into Friday morning, what will you be watching for, Derek? Are there any early signs that you tune into as the results start coming in? Well, I think, you know, everybody talks about the youth vote and how that would help uh, boost Labour in, 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 in the election. So certainly the very first thing I would look at is is turnout. And the higher the turnout, then potentially the greater the, the, the youth turnout has been and then potentially the greater the, the, the performance of the Labour Party, which would obviously have big impacts for the market. So that would be the first thing I would look at for sure. And there will be plenty more to watch, of course, uh, in the run-up to the general election as well. That's all we have time for on Hard Currency this week. Thanks again to Derek Halpenny from MUFG for being our guide. Until next week and throughout the rest of the UK election campaign, you can keep up with all the latest developments and trends at ft.com slash markets and at. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Fast FT.